Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.podomatic.com. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. That's right, the finest example of English that you can find on the internet. That's right. Um, This is basically just a podcast where I sit here on my sofa uh, tonight. Um, It's a Thursday evening, um, and uh, I'm basically just sitting here on the sofa. I've got a bit of time, so I've decided to record some kind of podcast. Basically, what I'm going to do is just kind of sit here and talk, just sort of talk to you for, about some stuff, uh, basically. Uh, I've got an idioms dictionary uh, on the desk here in front of me, um, and I've got sort of various other bits of advice to give to you about learning English, which I think will be very useful and very imp- important for you to kind of pick up on and learn, right? So as I talk to you, I'm just going to sort of maybe explain a few bits of vocabulary and talk to you about some advice and that kind of thing. Doesn't that sound brilliant? Yes, it does, ladies and gentlemen. Of course it does, because this is Luke's English Podcast. Now, if, you, if you're new to Luke's English Podcast, if this is the first time that you've listened to this, let me just explain basically what this is all about. You are probably a learner of English um, or maybe a teacher of English or something, and uh, you, you might be a, someone learning English who's living in another country, somewhere else in the world, maybe a place where it's difficult to find other speakers of English, like native speakers of English. They're quite difficult to find in some places. So you need to be able to try and listen to someone speaking English in a natural way, like a native English speaker, almost like you're kind of sitting with that person in a cafe or in a pub, and you're kind of talking to that person, right? So that's what you can get from Luke's English podcast, except that also within this, I can add other bits of audio, like interviews with people, interviews with celebrities, um, and other interesting things like that. But also I can throw in uh, bits of vocabulary, uh, phrasal verbs, idioms, natural expressions, that kind of thing. The sort of natural things that people uh, talk about Uh, and the the language that they use, and also some pronunciation tips, things about the way uh, people speak in the real world, the way that they link their words up together, and the way they um, sort of stress sentences and that kind of thing, right? So um, how can you get uh, in touch with that kind of English? You can listen to various things on the internet. There's lots of podcasts available for you to download, and you can just listen to people speaking English. Uh, But how many podcasts are there on the internet uh, for learners of English? Well, there's a few, um, some good ones, like from the BBC, and a few others. But there's also a lot of other podcasts which I don't think are particularly good um, for several reasons. One reason is maybe that the, the sound recording quality isn't that great. And so it's like listening to a bad telephone line or that um, they use like scripts when they speak. So they, they're not exactly speaking naturally. They're just reading from a, from a pre-written script. 
right? So that's not really going to be like the natural way that they that they speak. They're just kind of it's more like written English in that case. Um, or some of them are just very kind of basic and a bit patronising. You know, like you get those sort of podcasts that talk to you as if you're an idiot and maybe spend 10 minutes just teaching you one like big word that you're never really going to use, you know. And uh, I'm not kind of anti-America or, or anything like that, but it seems that a lot of these podcasts are, are, are often American ones. So you get kind of like... You're listening to the Business English Pod from podbusiness.com. Today's business word is innovative. Innovative. You know, that kind of thing. And um, I don't think that's a natural way that people speak. So it's better to just listen to someone speaking naturally, right? So that's the idea with this podcast is that I can speak to you naturally and you can listen on your headphones or... Uh, when you're on the bus or when you're like on the toilet or something like that, right? Uh, you can, you know, listen. A lot of people who listen to this listen to it in the car. Um, so there's lots of people kind of driving while listening to this. In fact, I expect there's some people driving right now while listening to this. And if you are driving, then um, watch out for that. So, yeah, just a bit of a joke uh, there, just for people driving. I hope you know. I've done that before, so you shouldn't be too surprised, really. But anyway, um, now, I thought that in this episode I'd kind of impart some wisdom, basically kind of give a bit of advice. Now, I, I'm not saying that I know everything, absolutely everything, about uh, the best way to acquire a second language. Um, in fact, um, what would be very interesting is if listeners to this show could um, maybe email me with some bits of advice themselves like uh, I get a lot of quite advanced listeners for this show and I'm, I'm very interested to hear your stories how did you manage to develop your English to uh, a good a good level right because that's what people want to know so from people who've already got a good level of English maybe you can email us some advice what's the best way in your opinion to to learn English effectively right now I've got some advice which I'm going to give you now um, let's see. Now, imagine you're uh, taking a test in English. It could be one of the Cambridge exams, for example, like IELTS or FCE or something like that. You're taking a test in order to prove your level of English and you want to get a good score so that you can get a good job in the future, right? So um, how are you going to know uh, if, the, if the answers are right? Now, um, let's say you're doing one of the kind of vocabulary exercises and uh, you have to choose the right word to complete the gap. Now, how do you know that that is the right word? Now, in some cases, it's just because of meaning, but often it's because of collocation, like the fact that some words always go together, you know, like the fact that you do your homework, you don't make your homework or, or um, anything else, you do your homework. Now, how do you know that those two words go together? There isn't really a rule um, about the meaning of that word in that situation because, you know, you could just as easily say make your homework, but people, people don't say that. Um, do your homework is the collocation. So how are you going to know that? And how are you going to know all the other very intricate, subtle differences in meaning between various bits of English? Now, um, if you just study... If you just study a grammar book or 
just do kind of controlled practice like that. You're not necessarily going to, for example, be exposed to English enough, really. What you need to do is, as well as study the language, you also should uh, just try and kind of read and listen to as much English as you can, right? Because let's say, like if I do uh, an exercise in an, in an exam, in, a, in an English exam as a teacher, I know the answer, right? I just know what the answer is. And I, first of all, my instinct tells me it's right. And then after that, I think about the grammatical reasons why it's right. Okay, but first my instinct just tells me, yeah, I know that's right and the others are wrong just because, you know, I just feel it as an instinct. But how have I developed that instinct? Well, I think that it's because from the day that I was born, I've been listening to other people using English and I've been reading English. And so much English has gone into my ears and into my eyes now that a lot of it just sticks. So I know by instinct um, which things are right and wrong because I know something is wrong because you know, no one says that. Like, I've never heard anybody say that before. That combination just doesn't feel right. Uh, your instinct tells you what's right because you've heard it so many times or read it so many times, right? Like whenever you read something in English, all of those words go into your head. They all go in. You might not remember them all, but they all go into your subconscious because you've seen them. And so all those combinations are feeding into your subconscious. All the patterns of grammar and usage just go right into the back of your head until you uh, eventually just develop a natural sense for when something feels right or wrong. So the, the advice here is that you need to try to read a lot and listen a lot. Uh, you need to try and get exposed to the language on a large scale. Um, so that means listening to things regularly. Uh, listening to natural things in English regularly. I'm talking about like every week. I mean, every day would be perfect, right? If you could listen for about half an hour a day or more, you know? But as much as you can, really, just listen to things in English. There's lots of things you can listen to. All the podcasts on the internet, all the BBC podcasts, this one, Luke's English podcast. There's lots of internet radio stations. You've got all of your audio books um, that you can buy. Uh, and like video, YouTube, um, all those things, you, things that you can just listen to on your iPod. Then as well as that, you've got to read a lot if, if possible and think about what you're, what you're reading, uh, what kind of um, English will they be using? Because if you just read the newspaper, then you're just going to read newspaper style English. So maybe think about other things you can read as well, like blogs, which are quite informal um, and as well as that you can read um, obviously you can read books all the novels and books that you can purchase and magazines and things like that there's lots of things you can read even read like comic books in English because um, that's like a really natural way of sort of you know seeing seeing the communication happen with pictures as well kind of helps um, and you, you also, when you're listening, you should think about what you're listening to. Are you just listening to the news? Because uh, if you do, they, they don't really speak naturally. You know, they don't speak like normal people on the news. 
you know, like they tend to speak in a weird way, like, um, for some reason, everyone on the news seems to speak like this. The sentence stress is strange. The intonation's just weird. In fact, the sentences seem to go on forever and no one really knows where they're going to end or if they're going to end at all. You know, that kind of thing. Um, so it might not be natural. So listen to kind of interviews or conversations, if you can. Hopefully then, when you get exposed to the language enough, you'll start to um, kind of get a feel for what's right and wrong. You should also study as well. I mean, you can study um, from grammar books and things like that too, if you try and do both, it's the best way to do it. But you need to get some English into your life. Think of it like that. Um, when you engage with the language, you should do it on a kind of meaningful level, even an emotional level, you know, so that you're really feeling and you're really interested in whatever you're reading about or listening to in English. Uh, just having that sense of enthusiasm or desire to do it will help you massively. I mean, in my experience, the students who learn the best are the ones who just enjoy kind of engaging in some kind of act of communication and who, you know, put themselves into the learning process. They don't just expect it to happen, they actually take it, they take the bull by the horns, you could say, to take the bull by the horns. A bull, you know, is a big animal, like a male cow. Uh, you get bullfighting in Spain, for example, a bull, and a bull has horns, those are the sort of sharp bits on the top of the bull's head. And if you grab or take the bull by the horns, you just sort of like take control of the situation, basically, to take the bull by the horns. So the best learners really kind of take the bull by the horns, take control of the situation and kind of get involved in learning. Um, and you can enjoy it. You can, and you can pick up lots of other information, not just English. You can find out about what's happening in the world, which is a pretty special thing. I'm sure you'll agree, ladies and gentlemen. So there you go, that's just like a bit of advice really from me. <clears throat> um, I wonder if there are other things that I could sort of talk to you about at this point. Um, I was thinking about uh, what my students tend to ask me questions on. Uh, I get kind of questions about the royal family and about English food. It's quite a common one. Uh, we have other weird things in this country. Uh, that uh, people don't seem to understand. Like when visitors come to England, there are various things that they find strange or different. You know, it's basically culture shock. Um, culture shock is interesting because people using the word culture shock kind of expect the experience to be a shock. Like when you arrive in a new country, um, it's like, bang, oh my God, I can't deal with this. But that's not what it's like. Because actually, when you go to another country, often it's just you know pretty normal. If when you get there, it's like it's just normal that it's the same. They have cars, and you walk up and down the street, and you know you can buy a can of coke. Maybe people are speaking a different language, but in many cases, it's quite similar. Um, but slowly, you start to realise that the place you're living in is different in another way. It's not just that they sort of have different things, but they think in a different way or behave in a different way. So like, for example, when I went to Japan, first I thought it was going to be a big shock, but when I arrived, I felt fine. I felt totally comfortable. In fact, it was easier to live there because they have like more convenient shops and um, it just seems to be a bit easier really, uh, except for the language barrier. Um, and um, 
But then slowly you start to pick up on differences and you have some experiences that make you feel like you don't understand what's going on in this country and you start to realise the deeper, stranger things about it. Uh, and all of the differences in culture between different countries is just based on various old traditions or principles about, you know, the way you interact with other people that will make you behave that way. So the, the key thing to remember with culture shock is that whenever you go to another culture, you should just be very patient and just accept the way that people behave differently because there's a reason for that, you know? Like, um, you know, there will be some old historical reason for why people behave in a different way. It doesn't mean that they're doing it wrong, they're just doing it differently. So um, I guess culture shock is something that people experience sometimes when they come to London and there are various strange things they don't understand. Um, <clears throat> like uh, like the fact we have two taps in the bathroom. I don't know if you know what taps are. Uh, they are the things that you turn on and turn off in order to get water from your bath or from your sink. And in England, it's very common to have two taps, a hot tap and a cold tap. But uh, many people from other countries seem to have one tap, which you can use to control the water and the, and the temperature. But in England, we have two separate taps. And a lot of people find this very strange, like the fact that they don't know how to wash their hands because they turn on the hot tap and then it gets too hot and they have to turn on the cold tap as well. And you kind of go between the cold and hot taps when you're washing your hands. It's a bit ridiculous. But that's just something about England. The fact is we value traditional things like our bathroom fittings we like them to look old-fashioned because we think that's good we, th we like the traditional style we think it looks expensive and good quality and so as a result our bathroom might look a bit traditional and it might have two taps rather than one modern style tap so that's typical about England. here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Another thing is that the windows in buildings are not very good. They're, they're quite old here in London. And a lot of my students complain that it's cold uh, in their room. Um, but the windows they have in their houses are often very, very old windows from the Victorian period. These old wooden windows. <clears throat> and the fact is they don't really insulate your, your room a lot of cold air comes through the windows. They're, they're very bad at, at that, so it is cold. But um, if you're buying a house here in London and it's got those old wooden windows, then you, you know, it makes it much nicer. In fact, a, a house with old wooden windows will be more expensive 
than a, a house with more modern windows because we really value the fact that they're original Victorian uh, oak windows even though they don't really work, they don't even really do their job of insulating the house. They're still valuable because of the tradition and the, the, the fact that they're kind of antique. So that, that's just an interesting idea about the culture here in England, the fact that we, we do value traditional things. We're also very progressive in, in other areas, um, but um, a lot of the time, uh, our, in terms of style, we quite like the old stuff, I think. Although, you know, modern styles are equally popular as well. Right, you know what I'm going to do now? <clears throat> I'm going to open the Idioms Dictionary randomly. Okay, okay, I've just opened it and I've got to the word say. That's S-A-Y. And I think I'm just going to teach you some idioms from this book here. Say, S-A-Y, right? So these are all expressions that, they, that you can use with the word say. Um, so let's see, let's see, you can have your say, have your say, um, to have your say. You might get, for example, on a radio show where they're discussing news stories, the radio presenter might say, if you'd like to have your say, then just give us a call on 0208 998 4234, you know, uh, and that means to to give your opinion, right? To give your opinion about something, right? So if you want to give your opinion, you can have your say, right? Um, so in a, on a radio show, you can call in and have your say about uh, one of the news stories, okay? Uh, another one is to have nothing to say for yourself. To have nothing to say for yourself. Um, that just means that, you know, you're boring, really. You, you don't really have anything interesting to talk about. You know, you've got nothing to say for yourself. You know, uh, it just means that you're not very good at having a conversation. You know, you might say, oh, she seems very nice, but she doesn't have much to say for herself. So to, for pronunciation, let's say that again. She doesn't have much to say for herself. She doesn't have much to say for herself. She doesn't have much to say for herself. Right? So that means she, you know, she doesn't really have anything to say. She's quite boring. Yeah. Um, and let's see. If you're giving an opinion and you want to emphasize it, you can say, well, I must say. Well, I must say. And you can use that to emphasize an opinion. Uh, for example, well, I must say, that's the funniest thing I've heard all week. Well, I must say, that's the funniest thing I've heard all week. So you're emphasizing, wow, that really is the funniest thing I've heard all week. Well, I must say, that's the funniest thing I've heard all week. Well, I must say, that's the funniest thing I've heard all week. Um, let's see, another one would be, I, well, I wouldn't say no, <clears throat> or I wouldn't say no to that. And it's used to say that you would like to do something, or you'd like to accept an, off an offer. So if someone says to you, um, would you like some tea? And you say, well, I wouldn't say no. And that means yes. Right. Well, I wouldn't say no. Yeah. Um, so, would you would you like some tea, Luke? Oh, well, I wouldn't say no. Okay. Well, I wouldn't say no. Well, I wouldn't say no. Well, I wouldn't say no. <clears throat> okay. Um, all right. Next one is um, let us say or let's say. Okay. Let's say. And you can use that to kind of make a suggestion or give an example. For example, 
Well, I can let you, uh, I can let you buy the TV for, well, let's say £100. I'll let you buy the TV for, well, let's say £100. Okay? Um, uh, let's see. Next one is, um, say cheese. Say cheese. Cheese. Right? Like, you know, the food that mice like to eat. Cheese. We, we use that uh, when you ask everybody to smile before you take their photograph. So, just before you take a photograph, you'd say, Right, is everybody ready? Right? Say cheese. Um, in some countries, you say um, petatas, I think, in Spain. I, I think it's petatas, um, which means potatoes, I think. Um, and in other countries, I'm sure you say uh, some things. I think in Japan, sometimes, they say cheese, cheese, which is kind of like cheese, but in a Japanese accent. Cheese. Um, a bit like that. I think, I'm sure they've got something else that they say. They certainly put their two fingers up in the V sign whenever you, whenever you point a camera at a Japanese person, their hand always comes up with a V sign to, you know, peace. Um, you know, that's cool, man. That's really cool. Um, it's amazing how, you know, every Japanese person I ever met, if I showed them a, a camera, bang, the hand up with a V sign, peace, like that. It's cool, you know, like Japanese people obviously really like peace. Um, and that's good. That's a good thing, right? Um, let's see. Okay. Let, we've got another one, which is say what? Say what? Let's say what? Which is an American expression. So you have to do it in an American accent. Say what? And that's say what? Say what? So you use that to express great surprise at what someone has just said. So, for example, um, well, he's, he's getting married. Say what? Um, another one is say when. Say when. Okay? That's like when, you know, when did you go to the moon, for example. When, right? Say when. And we use that when um, you want someone to stop pouring a drink. You know, if like, for example, if they're pouring you a cup of tea and you don't want them to give you any more, so you, you want to say stop, but um, what's, what happens is when you pour a drink for someone, you say, say when, meaning when would you like me to stop? So say when, and uh, often the other person will go when, like that, to tell you when to stop pouring. So, would you like some tea? Oh, yes, please. Say when. Like that, okay? Um, let's see. Um, to say the least. To say the least. To say the least. And we, we use that to say that you are using the least strong way of saying something. So, for example, you'd say, I'm not very happy with his work, to say the least. Which means I'm the least thing I feel is I'm not very happy about it. So, actually, the what he really means is he's he's um he's he's really really unhappy with his work. I'm not very happy with his work to say the least. That means he's actually kind of to say the least is used to describe the fact that you're actually uh feeling a lot more p angry about it, you know, to say the least. Um let's see. Um Hmm, okay. You can say that again. 
This is a, I love this expression. You can say that again. I think that's just such a brilliant expression. Basically, you can use that when you, when you really agree with someone, like really strongly agree with them. So it means I agree completely and I, and I already know that, right? So like, um, you know, if you just really want to agree with someone. So someone might say, oh, she's the most boring person I've ever met. Right, she's the most boring person I've ever met. Well, you can say that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can say that again. Yeah. So you're inviting the person to say it again because you really agree with it. Well, you can say that again. So you can say that again. You can say that again. You can say that again. Right? And here's another good one. You don't say. Oh, you don't say. Right? And that's um, like an ironic, kind of sarcastic uh, way of doing it. So you have to be very sarcastic when you speak. Oh, you don't say. Like that. And it's used to express, um, it's used to express surprise. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I think that you, you use, oh, you don't say, uh, to mean when someone has said something very, very obvious, right? They've just said something really, really obvious. So it would be, well, <laughs> next year it's going to be 2012. Oh, yeah, you don't say. Well, that's kind of a bad example. Um, let's see, let's see. Um, well, he's going to be really drunk if he keeps drinking that stuff. <laughs> you don't say. That's um, strange. You don't say. I think it's just, a, it's like a way of saying, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Actually, wait a minute. I think I'm getting this all wrong. Let me just let me just think about this. Yeah, you don't say. Funny, you know what? You know when you kind of like repeat an expression or a word over and over and over again, it just stops meaning anything. Well, that's happened to me now with this expression. You don't say. I, I it doesn't mean anything to me now. I've completely forgotten what the expression means. Can someone help me? Can anyone help me out, please? What does you don't say mean? I've completely forgotten. Right, hold on. I'm going to get together. Just get my mind together here. You don't say. Yeah, I th I've, I'm going to go with my original explanation. Um, you don't say is a way of sort of ironically saying, yeah, that's obvious. You know, you didn't need to say that. Of course, that's obvious. So you'd say, well, I bet the Queen's rich. Yeah, you don't say. Um, so it's kind of like a way of stating that something is obvious in a, in a kind of ironic sarcastic way you don't say yeah you don't say like that right okay that's it for the idioms and i think that's a that's about it for this podcast that pretty much wraps this up actually i wonder if there's something i can play to you i might find an interesting bit of audio uh, that you can listen to as a bit of fun um i'm going to think about that uh but for the meantime it's uh, goodbye for now Okay, I've found something for you to listen to. Uh, I'm going to play you a piece of audio from a television program which was uh, on TV here in the UK a few years ago. And uh, basically, it's a kind of news program, but it's not a serious news program. It's a kind of a joke news program, right? It's like a spoof of a, a news show. Um, and in this program, basically, they, it, it looks like the news, it sounds like the news. They have stories on there, but the whole thing is actually a bit of a joke, and they twist some things to make them funny. 
Okay, so what you're going to listen to here is a newsreader interviewing a woman about some charity work which she has been doing. Now, the situation is basically the woman has come into the studio to talk about this charity work. Apparently, she's been organising a jam festival. So, you know, jam is like that stuff that is made from fruit and you spread it on your toast in the morning like strawberry jam. So uh, she's talking about the fact she, she um, organised a jam festival and um, uh, she raised some money um, and she used some celebrities in her um, jam festival all to raise money for charity. But the interviewer um, is not very impressed by how much money she has made. She's only made a few thousand pounds, and he, he's very sort of surprised. Like, what, only a thousand pounds? That's ridiculous. That's pathetic. That's a pathetic amount of money. And he says, uh, you could have raised more money by auctioning dogs, right? No, to auction is to sell something uh, when people bid uh, a price for, for something. So, for example, you get a big room, an auction room. One person would stand at the front and say, um, Okay, so I have this old uh, antique uh, chair. Uh, can we start the bidding, please, at uh, 500 pounds? And then people kind of go 550. So 550. Do I see? Do I see 600? 600 to the man in the blue shirt. Do I see 650? 650 pounds. 650 pounds to the man with the newspaper. And it's sold for 650 pounds. You know that kind of that's an auction. So he's saying. You, you raised only a few hundred pounds for a jam festival. That's pathetic. You could have made, you could have raised more money by auctioning dogs. So basically, he's very kind of rude to her, but it's very funny just because it sounds like the news, and then it kind of changes and becomes ridiculous. So I hope you enjoy it. The show is called The Day Today, and it's fantastic. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye, bye, bye. Tomorrow sees the opening of the London Jam Festival, selling pots of jam, some made by celebrities, to raise money for the homeless. With me is one of the organisers, Janet Breen. Janet, thanks for joining us this evening. This must have taken a heck of a lot of organising. Yes, well, it has, actually, to get all the uh, celebrities to contribute their jam. It's really been quite, a, quite an operation. How much of your time did you put into it? Oh, I would say at least six months. Six months? To raise money for a jam festival? Isn't that rather stupid? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's all in a good cause. It's a good for the cause, homeless. yeah, but how much are you going to raise? Well, we hope to raise um, at least £1,500. £1,500? That's a pathetic amount of money. You can raise more money by auctioning dogs. Well, I don't think so. I, I, I think it's all in a good cause and very worthwhile and worth You've doing. persuaded these celebrities to waste their time donating to it? Yes. Well, who? Uh, uh, Glenis Kinnick, we've got, and Sebastian Coe. I hate Sebastian Coe! Well, I feel he's made a very worthwhile contribution, What, actually. to the paltry sum of £1,500? Yes. Is that worth six months of your time? Well, I think it is worth I it. don't think it is at all. I think the only reason you've done it is to make yourself look important. How dare you come on this programme and say, hey, look at me, I'm raising £1,500 for the homeless. You could raise more money by sitting outside a tube station with a hat on the ground, even if you were twice as ugly as you are, which is very ugly indeed. <gasps> It's been very upsetting for you. <laughs> but have you anything else to say in your defence? <laughs> Don't agree? Thank you.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humor and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.